Okay, so it's very exciting to begin a new year and a new Vad. Uh, every year on Tuesday and Wednesday nights for the past, I don't know, 20 years, I've been giving uh, a Vad twice a week. Uh, and we pick different topics every single year. So uh, last year, I think we did um, Rabbi Rucham and we did Amuna, exploring Amuna. Um, in previous years, we've done Rapinkus many, many times, and uh, uh, just different interest things that are, I guess are interesting to me. A lot of uh, a lot of uh, focus on Gedele Yisrael, um, either their letters, their speeches. Many of the uh, Vaden have ended up becoming books that I wrote for Arts Girl um, T4. But um, but tonight. Uh, is a vad that uh, we will be uh, starting this year. Mitzvah Shem will go uh, the entire year with this topic, and it's a topic which is very near and dear to my heart. Um, and it's uh, about the Torah, the brilliant Torah of the Vilna Gaon. The reason why I say it's very near and dear to my heart is because I um, am a huge, huge. Uh, Admirer, not of the Vilna Gaon per se. Everybody's an admirer of the Vilna Gaon, and uh, you know, as we all should be, and we're going to learn a little bit about him biographically uh, this evening as an introduction to this year's Vad. But the Torah of the Vilna Gaon uh, is so brilliant and it's so beautiful. Very often, it's very short. It's not a long shtickel uh, Torah, but that's the beauty of his Torah that he was—he had the ability to take. He'll find uh, a Gemara and he'll discover, he'll locate exactly where that Marum is in the Tereh Shabbat Sav. So he basically shows the marriage between Tereh Shabbat Sav and the Tereh Shabbat and the interplay between them and something that, you know, we could all really do. It's not like you don't have to be the Volna Gain maybe to do it, but he does it and when he does it, it like sort of like just blows open a whole understanding that we wouldn't have seen uh, were it not for him. So I'm excited every week we'll Hashem focus on a different uh, piece of the Vilna Gain. Some of them will be uh, topical uh, in terms of uh, maybe before Yantif, we'll do a, a vart or two from the Vilna Gain on that Yantif. Uh, and when we don't have that, either we'll do on the Parsha of the week or we'll do some famous pieces of the Vilna Gaon that are like overarching classical uh, pieces that you should all really know from the Vilna Gaon. The Vilna Gaon's Tyra uh, in the yeshiva world is very famous, and there are certain pieces that are absolutely must-know material. Now let's discuss a little bit, just as an introduction, so we understand like who the Vilna Gaon is. What's so special uh, about the Vilna Gaon that he has such an important... Uh, Role to play in the uh, in Klal Yisrael's um, corpus of Tyra. So I'll just start off that the Aderes, the Aderes um, was Rebbeio David Rabinowitz Tumim, and he said a story about a Yid from Vilna, and this Yid traveled to Prussia on business. And before he left Vilna, he asked Rabbi Abla Pasvalar, who was the chief rabbi, um, for a letter of introduction to the great guy, Rabbi Kiveger. He asked his Rav, Rabbi Abla, he said, I'm going to Vilna, and I want to uh, meet, uh, I want, I'm going to Posen, rather, I want to meet the great Rabbi Kiveger, 
And could you write me a letter, like, so, you know, as if, like, an introductory letter, so I have, like, an, an in, like, otherwise you're just, you're just like everybody. But if you have a letter from a great guy like Rabbi Abla, um, so that would be like a carte blanche to get into Sirib Kiveger. And in his letter, he wrote to Rabbi Kiveger that the man had seen, this man that was coming on business and that wants to meet with you, he had seen the Vilna Gain with his own eyes. He was able to, he saw in his lifetime the Vilna Gain. So as soon as this merchant arrived in Posen, so Rebkiveger uh, was in his shul, and he was already removing his tefillin. When he read this letter that Rebbe Abla Peslover sent to him, he immediately uh, asked, did you personally know the Vilna Gain? Did you know the Vilna Gain? Can you repeat a terror thought that you heard from him? And when the man said, yes, I knew the Vilna Gain, and I could tell you a vart that I heard from, from, from the Vilna Gain, Rebkiveger immediately put his tefillin back on and with a serious and reverent face listened and all the while he was saying, the words of the Gain are like Taira Misinai. The words of the Vilna Gain are, have the status of Taira Misinai and one must listen to them as we heard the Ten Commandments, the Aser Sadibras from Hashem at Har Sinai with Ema and with Yer, with awe and with reverence. This is something that Reb Kivager, the great Reb Kivager, who himself is uh, worthy of uh, you know of, of, a, of a year's or maybe a decade of Vadin himself, but he said about Reb Kivager, about the Vilna Gain, that the Vilna Gain is Tiramisina. When you hear a var from the Vilna Gain, it's not just a var from anybody. The Vilna Gain had a special stat- status and stature in Klal Yisrael that his Tira is considered to be Tira straight from Har Sinai, and that you have to listen to the words of the Gain with Ema and Yira and Reses and Zayim. The reason why the Vilna Gain is so unique to us in Yeshiva, in all Yeshivas, is because, because the Gain was the Rebbe of Reb Chaim Melajner. And Reb Chaim Melajner was the one that started uh, the yeshiva system in the world. He founded this revolutionary yeshiva called Velazhin, which is where he was from. And he was a Talmudic of the Gain, so everything that he, gave, that he learned from the Gain, he gave over to his Talmudim. And that yeshiva Velazhin spawned many, many other yeshivas. Um, so all the major yeshivas, I'm not talking about the Sephardic yeshivas, I'm talking about the Ashkenazi yeshivas. So if you have, um, in Europe, there was uh, the Mir, and there was, there was uh, Tells, and then there was uh, Baranovich, and there was uh, all these Slabotka, and all the great yeshivas of Europe directly traced themselves to the yeshiva Velazhin one way or another. And then by extension, all the yeshivas in America today and all the yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael today and in Europe today also, these were all Talmidim's Talmidim of the great yeshiva of Elijah. If you come to my sukkah, and you're all invited on sukkahs if you want to come to my sukkah, um, I have a poster in, my, in there that is basically a picture of the Vilna Gain on top 
And then there is, we don't have, unfortunately, a picture of Rechaim Elajner, so they put a picture of his yeshiva, which still exists in the world, by the way. His yeshiva, this great yeshiva, still stands today. You can visit it if you go to uh, Belarus or wherever it is. You could still visit that building. It's still intact, which is uh, amazing. And then it has a picture then. It's like a tree, and it spreads downward to all the yeshivas in Europe, and then by extension to all the yeshivas today, Chaim Berlin and Ner Yisrael, and, uh, you know, one after another, all, all the yeshivas today, are, they all come like, a, like branches off, off of, a, of a bark of a tree from Velazhin. So, and Velazhin was, like I said, the Messiah of the Vilna Gain. So we are all, in effect, anyone that's in one of these branches of, of, of Velazhin is really a Talmud, or a Talmud, Talmud, Talmud of the Vilna Gain. We all have our Messiah through the Vilna Gain. So the Vilna Gain is very, very unique in Klal Yisrael because whoever is able to, to go to any of these yeshivas, and it's really most yeshivas today in the world, are really considered to be part of that special Messiah coming from the Vilna Gain. Now, I, I learned as a Bachar, I learned in Long Beach Yeshiva um, for about five years, and then I went to Eretz Yisrael to a yeshiva called Kol Taira. Kol Taira is in Bait Vagan, and I was zeichet to learn under Shlomo Zalman Arbach. Shlomo Zalman Arbach was the God Ladar, he was the Pesach Adar, and he was a tzaddik. I could describe him for a very long time. Uh, how you know he it was just he was a like he was a Malach Hashem Savakis. And I remember one day in Shir he was telling us about the history of Elijah a little bit. I don't know how exactly it came into the Gemara, but basically he said. He told us two stories about the founding of Elazhin. The first story that he told us was that when Rebchaim Elazhiner had this brainchild, this, this great idea to start this type of yeshiva, which was a revolution, because before he started this yeshiva, what was a yeshiva? What was the definition of yeshiva? It's like basically a base matter. If you were a rav in a certain, in a certain town, let's say you were a rav in... Uh, I don't know, in, uh, in, in, in the city of Mir, whatever, going back a couple hundred years, you were a rub. There were a few boys learning in the city of Mir, and you had them, you took them into your base medish, and you learned with them, you gave shir to them maybe, and then they would go home, sleep at home, they would eat at home, they would, uh, it was just basically like a little very informal base medish of like a few, maybe, uh, maybe a couple of minyanim, but it wasn't like a formal yeshiva. Velazhin came along and said, listen, Tyra was very, very uh, shvach at the time for some reason. People weren't learning as much as they could. And Chaim Lajner decided that something has to change. I have to do something in order to really uh, increase the Tyra that's being learned in the world. So he came up with this idea, I'm going to start a yeshiva. And this yeshiva is going to be in a building, a separate building just for yeshiva. There might be dormitory rooms, not all yeshivas did, or if there's no dormitories, then you would sleep by people's houses, but I would arrange, Rebchaim Lezhner arranged, you know, that they're going to stay in people's houses. They're going to arrange that meals are going to be eaten in other in people's houses, and there's going to be starim in the yeshiva, there's going to be davening in the yeshiva, the rabbim are going to sit up front by their shtenders, and there's going to be different shiurim, and there's going to be a, a first seder, second seder, night seder, there's going to be maybe a musr seder, in between a halacha seder. This was something that we take it for granted. We think this was always, this must have been the way it always was in Klai Yisrael, but it wasn't. This was the brilliant idea of Reb Chaim Now, 
Reb Chaim Meloshner wasn't going to move without getting the approval of his Rebbe, the Vilna Gaim. Reb Chaim Meloshner writes in one of, his, one of his writings that whenever he would go into the Vilna Gaim, he was so nervous, and this was his Rebbe Mubik, but the Vilna Gaim was, was so, you know, such a malach and so brilliant and so holy that whenever Reb Chaim Meloshner would enter into his office, into his, into his room, he says, my knees were dal nakshin, which is an Aramaic term, that they were banged together. His knees were so nervous that he was like shaking. He was physically shaking when he went into the Vilna Gain. So he went into the, into, the, into the inner chambers of the Vilna Gain and he said, Rebbe, uh, I have an idea and I need Rebbe's bracha in order to carry it out. So Vilna Gain says, what is the, what's the idea? And he described, just like I just described to you, going to be a yeshiva, it's going to revolutionize the way Torah is being learned, it's going to be a formal place, it's going to be a, a name, and a, and a reshiva, and a rebbe, and a mashkiach, and, a, and all, whatever he described about this yeshiva, and he was assuming that the Vilna Gain would be like all fired up about it as, as he was, and he would give him a bracha and get behind it right away, and the Vilna Gain said to him, I hear come back to me in six months and we'll talk about it again. Now, you know when you have like a really great idea, you just want to go with it. You don't want to like wait. And six months is a long time. It's only six weeks, okay, Mela, but like to wait a half a year on an idea that you're so like in love with, it's hard to do. It's very hard to, but the Rebbe said to wait, so he waited. Six months went by. He comes to the day, back to the, back to the Vilna Gain. And he says, Rabbi, remember six months ago I asked you for permission to start the yeshiva in, uh, yeshiva in my city, Velazhin, and you said to come back six months. I'm, I'm still fired up about it. I still want to do it. It's going to be amazing. It's going to save Tyra in the world. So the Vilna says, it's a great idea, and I give you my bracha. should be matzliach. So he says, thank you. But can I ask Rabbi a question? Why did I have to wait for six months? Let's say you would have just, if you liked the idea... You should have given me your blessing right away. I could have already had a building. I could have had everything up and running by now. What was the need for waiting? So the Vilna Gain said that sometimes a person has an idea. And I think we could relate to this a little bit. Sometimes we have a very good idea. Let's, whatever the idea might be. It might be a, an idea for a, something to do with Ruchnius. It might be a business idea. You, want, you, know, you, want, you have a new invention that you're trying to do or you think you could you know, build a better mousetrap. You could do something a little better. And you, you have an idea and you're like pumped about it. You really think this is amazing. And then what happens? A couple of days go by, a week goes by, and now you're like... Every day that goes by, it gets schwacher. Uh, it's like, I don't think I could do it. I don't think it's that good an idea. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. It's failure. I can't. I don't, and, and it basically just dissipates. We always have these things, I think, right? How many ideas have we had? How many, how many innovations, businesses, Shark Tank things? Like, whatever we want, whatever we're into, like, I have a great thing. I could, you know, change. But eventually, like, you talk yourself out of it and you lose that, that momentum. You lose that energy. And the Vilna Gain said, if I had just said yes right away, so, I don't know, like maybe it would have just died. Maybe, you know, you would have started it, it would have failed, it would have flopped. You wouldn't, your energy level might not have been enough to carry it through. He says, but if six months go by and you're still excited about it, and you're still pumped about it, you're still raring to go, and you still have all of that energy in you pent up to do this, 
then by all means you have to do it. It's a tremendous yisayi, just agav, like in life, you know, sometimes you have to give things a little time. You don't, not always uh, is it great to jump into something head first. Sometimes, you know, think about it a little bit. Don't do something rashly. Give it a little bit of, of space, of time, of runway, and then and see if you're still interested in a few days because otherwise you're going to exhaust a lot of opportunities and things by, by jumping into something too quickly. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's good to wait a little bit just to give it a little, a little space to see uh, if you're still excited about it going forward. That's one mice that Shlomo Zaman said. And the other Maisa was that when Reb Chaim actually started this yeshiva, so somebody in the office of the yeshiva printed up stationery. And they didn't get Reb Chaim's permission. They just thought it was a nice thing. They put, let's say, maybe a picture of the Vlazhna yeshiva. And then under it, it says, Yeshivas Vlazhna, Miyusud al Yidei Talmide Hagra. This yeshiva was founded by the students of the Vilna Gain. Reb Chaim walks into the office and says, what's this delivery? So they said, well, the, the stationery for the yeshiva just came. He said, oh, beautiful, let me see it. He says, I want all the stationery destroyed. All of it has to be shredded, burned, use it as firewood. It's, I'm not using the stationery in yeshiva. Why not? What's wrong with it? He says, he says how can you write on the stationery that it was founded by the Talmide Hagra? that was founded by the students of the Vilna Gain. I can't dare call myself a Talmud of the Gain. I can call the Gain my Rebbe because I've definitely learned a lot from him. But for me to be considered a Talmud of the Vilna Gain, that's like, it's impossible. It's like saying, uh, you know, you, you have to, in order to be a Talmud of someone, you have to have some connection with him. Reb Chaim Velazhner felt that he was so removed, like a billion miles away, light years away from the Vilna Gain, that he, he it wasn't, it wasn't appropriate. It was, he wasn't worthy of being called a Talmud of the Gain. To be a real Talmud of the Gain, you'd have to be like in the Gain's, in the Gain's hemisphere, in the Gain's galaxy, and, and he felt he wasn't. But this was something that um, gives us a little bit of a taste, a little bit of idea who exactly the Vilna Gain was. He was, he was a Messiah from Hysenai. He had the ability to be the great Gain, that new Kalatar Kula. There's a story that's told about, it's in the Hakdama to the Sefer Pasa Shulchan, which was written by a Talmud of the Vilna Gain. Listen to the story. It's an amazing story. Maybe one night we'll actually learn it together inside. But he was making a siyam on Shir Ashirim. He wrote, he wrote commentaries, or at least Talmidim jotted down. He, the Tyra the, 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 the that we have from the Vilna Gain, it's important to, to, to note, we have a lot of Tyra from the Gain. There's tons of Sarim. Sarim on Chumash, Sarim on Mishnayis, Sarim on, on Likutim on Gemaris. There is, uh, he wrote, he wrote uh, glosses to Shulchan Aruch. Um, you know, very bekitzer, but like, uh, but, you know, brilliant, you know, very terse. He wrote like just a few words and you have to darshan every word that he says and what, but he wrote a lot. But what we have from the Vilna Gain is what they say is a tipa shabiyam. It's like one billionth. As much Torah as we happen to have from the Vilna Gain, it's a billionth of what the Vilna Gain actually was mechadish. He stopped writing. He used to write himself, but his mind worked so fast that he, he wasn't able to get the, the ideas on paper. That's how brilliant he was. And after he died, they, uh, 
um, they wanted to start publishing his Taira, and a lot of people did, things that they heard, they, heard they, they read, they learned, and the best in Vilna said, nobody is allowed to print any Svarim unless it has the approval of a certain Bestin that knew his Tyre because they were afraid that everybody's going to start spreading Tyre from the Vilna Gain around the world and it might not all be really from him or it might have been misunderstood or, or distorted somewhat. So they wanted to keep the purity of the Tyre of the Vilna Gain. So the Vilna Gain finished his commentary on Shira Shirim. And which we have also. We have a commentary on Shirshim, we have a commentary on Mishlei, we have a commentary on Esther, on Rus. There's many Svarim that we have commentary from Vilna Gain on. And the Vilna Gain um, invited his close inner circle to the Siam of this commentary on Shirshim. So I think a son-in-law came, a Machutin came, um, a few very close Talmidim came, and they were invited into the room of the Vilna Gain. The lights were out. If you can imagine, it looked like a kumzitz, like all the lights in the room were out, and he only had candles uh, burning in the room. So it was like really like an like a interesting uh, um, feel in the room. And everybody sat down, they closed the door. He says, this is not a siyam on Shira Shirim alone. He says, I'm really inviting, I don't, need, I don't make siyamim just like that. I'm making a siyam tonight on Kal HaTayrakula. I have learned Kal HaTayrakula from cover to cover, inside out, Tayrashibachsab, Tayrashibachpeh, Zayhar, Sifra, Sifri, Medrash, everything. He says, but not only that, that would be quite a feat in and of itself. But he says, I also am making a siyam tonight on every single science and every single subject in the world. He says, today I've officially mastered all the Chachmas Ha'elam, the Chachmas Chitzanias. He knows, he, he studied the science of music, and he says that he understood through studying the science of music all of the Yisaydes of the Levim who sang Shira in the Beis HaMikdash. We know the Levim sang Shira every single day over the Karbanis. They sang, by the, like we say, after Davening, Hayayim Yem Rishem B'Shabbos, Shabbai Hayu Al-Levim, Ayim Beis HaMikdash. That means on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, they had a special capital that we say at the end of Davening. They would sing that. While the Kaihanim were bringing the Karbanis, the Levim would sing that. They would sing by Musaf. They would sing by Mincha. They would have, you know, on Yom Taivim, they'd sing over the Karban Taida. Different opportunities, the Levim were always singing. But what does it mean they were saying? They were just stomp like a, you know, like a choir that had no, no rhyme or reason, just it sounded nice? No. He says that there were Yisaydis, there was like major, major, I guess, Kabbalistic type of ideals and ideas and, and principles that were emanating from this music. It wasn't just stomp music. It was, you know, it was music that had uh, a Messiah that had a, a Kedusha to it. And I was able, he says, to be aimed on the Yisaydis of music through understanding the uh, through understanding the the actual fu- fundamentals of music, and you could take music. And I, I don't think we offer it here, but people you know go to you know special schools for music. And part of the thing is there's a science to music. There's a certain I don't know anything about the science of music, but you have to you know there's certain symmetry I guess, and there is certain uh, you know different things, harmony and and, and different uh, parts of the musical experience that that there is there's a science to. And he understood that to the nth degree. He said he, he studied uh, science. He studied all the parts of science that were obviously the ones that were available at the time. He said he studied everything except, I think, Chachmas uh, HaRefua. 
because his father did not want him to know Rafua because he felt that if he knows Rafua, now he might have an obligation to be mevatel his Tyra, and his Tyra is so precious, he didn't want to waste a second of it. But let's say, you know, let's say, uh, you know, he would, he would know how to, how to, uh, how to revive a person who was sick or, or was dying, he would have to tear himself away from his Gemara and do that. So his father felt it wasn't anything that's practical, practical medicine, don't learn. So that he didn't, but the human anatomy and, uh, and biology, chemistry, whatever was involved at the time, there was, you know, chachmas of geometry, of trigonometry. In fact, we have a kuntras. We have like a small book. It's called Ayel Mishulosh. And I believe they say it was written by the Vilna Gain. It was on uh, trigonometry, and you know, you look at it. It has mamish like all of the all the different uh, sine, cosine, tangent, and uh, you know all the triangles and the hypotenuse and the you know bise- bisecting all the things that you know give us that haunt us from high school. Like he wrote an actual you know kuntris about that because there's Tyra involved in all these chachmas. And he, he goes on and on. He describes philosophy. He says he studied philosophy. He said he, he threw a lot of it away. Nothing, it was, he didn't find much value in it. Maybe a few things of value, but the rest of it he felt wasn't worth his time. Um, and, and he keeps going, but basically he, he made a seam on not only Kala but on every single discipline in the world. Just to give us some, I'm just trying to give ourselves a little bit of understanding of who we're dealing with uh, when we speak about the Vilna Gaon. Vilna Gaon wasn't just another rabbi. Vilna Gaon was, he was our Messiah directly to our Sinai. And that's a very, very important um, distinction to make. He, he wrote in the Hakdama to his beer on Shulchan Aruch. Um, so his children write a Hakdama. He had sons and they wrote a Hakdama and in the Akdama, they say about the city of Vilna, how fortunate the people of Vilna are. Ashracha ir Vilna, I think they write. Because even though how many people were able to actually see the Vilna Gain and deal with it, the Vilna Gain was very uh, cloistered. He stayed in his little Dalat Amashalach. They didn't go out, um, or very rarely did he actually go out. He was learning and learning and learning. But the people in Vilna, there was like a trickle-down effect through the Talmidim that he did have in his base Medrash, they spread like the Vilna Gain's Chachman Hashkafa, and basically because the Vilna Gain himself was so midactic on time, and we know that the Vilna Gain at the end of the year was able to know, like to the second, how much time he was mevatel, uh, you know, he was literally every single moment of his life was engaged in, was engaged in learning, so that had a great effect on the city around, on the city in which he lived, on Vilna, which is, Vilna was the metropolis, was the Yerushalayim Delita, they used to call it. It was the Jerusalem, was like the capital city of the whole Lithuania and, and Europe was Vilna. And people were, even if they never really learned by the Vilna guy, but by osmosis, they all had this need to constantly learn. They didn't waste time in Vilna. They were, they were inspired by the example that the Vilna guy set for them. And, um, and as a result of that, it uplifted the entire town of Vilna. I want to just share with you in the remaining minutes, uh, there is a famous letter that Rav Aaron Cutler, who was the Rashiva of Lakewood, uh, he was a direct, you know, he was uh, also in the stream, obviously, coming from Velazhin, coming from the Vilna Gain. Um, he writes a, a hakdama, four hakdamas that you have to know before you enter the gateway of the grove. We're going to start this year's Vad 
it's probably appropriate to learn uh, a few of these hakdamas. So, first of all, the first thing is what I told you before, that whatever we have of the Vilna Gain's Tairah is ketipa minayam negachachmase. Don't think that we, okay, you know, let, even if you would spend your whole life mastering every single thing that we have from the Vilna Gain, you still wouldn't even have, you know, a small sliver of a percentage of what the Vilna Gain uh, actually accomplished in his life. That's number one. That's one haktama. Another akdama is that, um, that every single chiddush that you see from the Vilna Gain, we're going to be learning a lot of chiddush from the Vilna Gain in Mitzvah this year, but every single thing, it seems like, okay, you know, I, I have it, I own it. You don't own it. Because there's so much depth to every single vart of the Vilna Gain that it's really, uh, you don't, it's only like a tipa shabayam of what, his true intention was. So a lot of times you'll hear like a good vart from the Vilna Gaon. You say, ah, that's a geshmaka vart. You don't even understand how deep, you know, the Vilna Gaon drilled with this vart. And, you know, we will never be able, we, we see a very small servant. It seems geshmaka on the surface, but don't be fooled and think that you really own any, anything from the Vilna Gaon because everything that he did was so deep and it was so penetrating that, uh, that, it's really impossible to ever really understand and comprehend anything that the Vilna Gain said. That doesn't mean that we can't appreciate the Gain on our simple, simplistic level, but we shouldn't be fooled into thinking that we, we chapped it in its totality. This is also very, very important. The third hakdama of Rav Aaron Kotler to the Vilna Gain, he says that the Chachmei Dairi, those people who were in the Vilna Gain's generation, the Chachamim, they were qualified uh, to comment on him. Like the great Gedalim of the, his generation, we, don't, we can't comment on the Vilna Gaim, but they could. And they said the following, Ki Hashem It was from a chesed that Hashem performed, Shenishlach b'dayres eila, ir v'kadish min shemaya, shehekim that Hashem sent for some reason this man to establish Taira, and all of the gates of light of Taira were revealed to him. He was able to enlighten every single hidden facet of Taira. And then he says that, and he had Anaba, he had Amelos, he had tremendous perfect Midas. And then he said that. Um, He says, He was considered to be um, like from another era, meaning he was an Achran. The only guy was that. He lived from 1720 to 1797. He didn't live so long ago. But he lived in the Tkufa of the Achranim. But really, they say that he had, um, he was really considered like much earlier times, and that if he would have been around in the times of the Rishayim, he would have also he would be considered a Rishayim, which is a tremendous thing to say about somebody. That he a Rishayim that means that he would have, the Vilna Gain would be on the same level as as the Rashba, as the Ritva, as the Rambam, as Rashi. But that even though he lived you know hundreds of years after them, but that's another element that we have to know about the Vilna Gain. And finally, he says that. Um, that the words of the Vilna Gain, 
everything that's said from the Vilna Gain is chilek, meaning that the, the quality of the Gain's tire was, like I said before, he married the Tire Shabbat Peh with the Tire Shabbat Sav. Otherwise, you, you could learn the whole first Seder Gemara, and then you can learn, let's say, in your spare time, it would be Maver Sedra, and you don't see the, the interplay unless the Gemara gives a Beferish or Drasha, you're not going to hop how Tereshaval Peh comes from Tereshavach Sav. But the Vilna Gain was able to, in a, in a wondrous way, be able to show how when Chacham say something, where did they get it from? Like the Chacham said something, did they see this anywhere in the Torah? He'll always find an asmach, he'll find like a brilliant uh, like illustration in the Torah for where the Chachamim got their dinim from. So he was able to like literally point to every Gemara, every Chazal, and find somewhere in Chumash a Maramakim for this. And that makes his Torah, says, says Rav Aaron Kotler, uh, it's made al mitasah shal tayra. It shows, it proves, like that, the truth of tayra mamish kem maimen har sinai. He said that whoever was able to be zeicha to see him understood this bechush. They saw that he was special. They saw that he was different. They saw that he was uh, inspired and and he was a a, a a a link in the messiah like no other. And so that is Akdama, you know, it's exciting to be able to be Talmidim of the Gain. Obviously, I don't mean Talmidim in a, in a classical sense, but to be able to spend a year, week after week, being able to delve into the Torah of the Vilna Gain is a tremendous chus. It's a tremendous chus. And if we can come out at the end of this year being comfortable swimming in the Gain's Torah, being able to be familiar, so if somebody ever says something, you say, yeah, the Gain says that. Or if you'll, or or you can yourself think about the vart of the gain, and you could add your own chidushim, which is uh, it's doable. The Vilna Gain's tyra, it's not like you know he has tyra that's very complicated, but the tyra that we're going to be sharing this year um, is uh, is very straightforward on our level, and we'll see in Hashem how beautiful it is, and we'll see the the tyra will it'll it'll be made to the amita satyra. If we're doing our job right, we'll be able to really, like, at the end of every vod, be able to say, wow, you know, I don't know how he knew that. How did he think about that? How did he come up with that? And, uh, and, and we'll be able, my father, al Shalom, was a very, uh, he loved the Gain's Tire. I think that's where I got my love for the Gain's Tire. He always used to, like, you know, whenever, he wouldn't never say the Gain. He would just say, he would say, the gra, the gra, the hail of the gra. I don't know why he said that, I don't know where he got it from, but that was, you know, you say the holy gra, like the gra was somebody that was so holy and so, so fundamental to Klai Yisrael's history and to their Messiah. And Adayim were all uh, beneficiaries of all that he did. And he didn't do it in a very public manner. Like I said, I don't think he ever, maybe once or twice he gave a drasha in the shul in Vilna, which is actually right next door to where he, his little base matters was right, right neighboring the big shul of Vilna, and we'll speak about stories about him, how he, once he went into the big shul of Vilna to give a Muslim shmoz, and there was a missile that would, you know, they were being bombarded, it was during a wartime, and there was a missile that landed on top of his shul, on top of the shul, while he was giving his drasha, and they were, and, and the shul was packed, there were thousands of people hidden from Vilna in the shul, and the Vilna guy started, they were afraid it was going to explode, and the whole shul was going to 
collapse and thousands of people would be killed. And the Vilna Gain started screaming, Batel, Batel, mean like abolish the, the Gezeira. And the, the bomb, instead of exploding, just stayed there. And for many, many years, until the war, when they, the, the Nazis or the Russians knocked down the Shul, um, that missile stayed on the roof of, of the great synagogue of Vilna. And, uh, and so the Vilna Gain, but, but most of the time, the Vilna Gain did not go into the public square. The Mulligan stayed in his little Dalai Lama and yet, in spite of the fact that he never left, he was able to have such a profound impact on the world. And Mitz Hashem, he will have an, a profound impact on each and every one of our lives as we go and we uh, delve into his beautiful Torah.